Welcome to episode 329 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alrighty guys, welcome along to episode 239 of I Am Talk with Coach John Yesum and Bevan James Oz. How are you going? I am sensational, Bevan, and you? Where are well, you today? Well, we're still on the 24th of August. Mm-hmm. and I've still got my iPad. Still got his iPad, it's power gun. Yep. 62, Jesus, power's pretty good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is pretty good, isn't yeah. it? And we've had the protein shake we are talking, do you like my protein yep. shake? Yep, yep. Were you happy with that? I think yeah, maybe a little bit of vanilla essence in there or something like that might add a little bit to it. No, it's, good, it's good though. I didn't. No, no, that's what you could oh, add. Oh, really, give it a little, should I do that? A little more kick, yeah. Oh, okay. Put right. a yogurt, put yogurt in. No, because yogurt's just sugar, John. I'm trying mm. to avoid sugar with this. So I've got protein powder, mm. banana, berries and milk. Pretty basic. Mm-hmm. It works for me. Good work. Mm. I'm talking proudly brought to you by coffeesofwai.com. Um, if you add coffee to it, maybe it would work. Maybe. Yeah, nice. Mm. Coffee to the protein shake. Athlinks.com. Um, social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Just do it. Just do it. Okay, Joy, guys, this week's show, we've got some news. I've got a good question for John this week. Oh, very good. I just thought of it when I was on the toilet a second ago. Nice. And uh, we've got an age group of the week. We've got a website of the week. We've got John's history lesson. And we've got an interview with Andrew Hassid. Who's that? He recently did the what, the Irish sort of decker thing that they did up there. Mm. Can't remember if they did it off the top of my head. We haven't done the interview whether they did it 10 days back to back or whether they did it continuous. But anyway, he did that. So we're going to talk to Andrew about that. Oh, wow. I can't wait to. When are we doing that interview? Next week? On Tuesday. But on the show. Yeah. Today. <laughs> yeah. And half an hour for you guys. Exactly. And about five days for us. Okay. Um, news is probably brought to you by SLS Try. And first of all, we're going to talk about the races coming up this weekend. The Brutal. Wow. In Lan- Clan Barris. It's going to suck that we haven't talked about the World Championships. 70.3 yeah. times. Yes. Because everyone's going to go, what do you think of the fact that Bevan Doherty won? Yeah, well, he's a, yeah. Well, he, he, he learned his triathlon trade in Christchurch. That was where it, it all started. He came. He moved down here to be coached with uh, Hellman's, John Hellman's, and uh, did a little you? training group. He did for a, for a few weeks, and he got a flat. Went to university for a bit. Decided he didn't like university, and decided to be a full time triathlete. Good That's basically how it happened. He came down for for the for the summer, um, yep. and yeah, spent yeah went, got enrolled in uni. Was training with a group. We had a good little group going. What was he studying? Engineering. He's actually. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to it. He's he's quite yeah. quite onto it with his engineering, and, and he he used to design his own you know foot plates and oh, aero really? bars and all that yep. sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, he basically went to university for a bit and then just packed it up in the middle of the year and went just packed up and went to Europe. And he wasn't he wasn't that good back then. He was uh, he was okay, and he came back and he was he'd had some really good results. Came back to New Zealand and then had a crap pretty average summer and then just got better and better. So wait a second, when he went over. Did you go over with him at the same time? No, I went the next year. So when he went over and he comes back and you still think, oh, I can still take this guy. I still took him down over summer, um, but then we went, went to Europe. As soon as we arrived in Europe, he, just, he wasn't uh, he wasn't on a stratosphere, but he was significantly better. So why was he so much better than you without picking on you? Oh, it's because he took drugs. 
<laughs> you heard it first on Live Talk by John Newsom. No, he, he was he was already good. He, he'd shown pedigree with his running. He got like it was pretty quick. <laughs> he'd, he'd had some very good running results. He just didn't know how to put it together, and he'd, he'd learned how to put it together oh, in really? a triathlon. Because he was an off road runner, wasn't he? he? Did off road running a lot. Uh, he got like I think he got second at New Zealand cross country schools champs, things like that. So yeah. he was he was good. Okay. So, so let's just clarify, it wasn't drugs? It wasn't drugs. <laughs> okay. I lived with him for a fair amount of time. I can tell you it's not drugs. <laughs> okay, so uh, what have we got coming up this weekend? Coming up this weekend, we've got the Brutal it's in Clamberis, Wales. And if I look at this race, I've got a half, um, a full, and that looked like they had a double on there. Um, and it's in a really cool part of Wales. So basically, you swim 2.4 miles in the beautiful Lake Pardan. This will be the easiest part of your day. Once through the transition, you'll start the extremely challenging bike course that involves 112 miles through scenery and over brutal hills. You'll continue back the cycle to transition. If you survive the ride, if you survive the ride, you'll be begin the 26 mile that involves, yep, more hills, but not just this, because the race is called the Brutal. You'll finish by climbing, climbing up and down Mount Snowdon. The highest mountain in Wales. So we said this on last week's show. Oh, a mountain. It's it's um it's not quite what we call mountains in New Zealand. It's it's still a bloody hard climb. And a mountain and New Zealand mountain. But we'd call it a really big hill. Okay. It, but it's still very very tough. You know, imagine climbing up any hill in a, yep. in, a, in, a in a race. So, um, geez, you guys in the and I said this last week in the, in the in UK. There's so many choices now and quite a variety of different races for you guys. So you're really lucky. So the Brutal's coming up this weekend. Looks like it was the first edition. You've also got the Red Man in Oklahoma City, United States, and the Hits have another series. They've got Cooperstown, Cooper's. Cooperstown, New York. That series continued. We talked to Barry Siff. Um, I think it was last week, the week before. Great interview. Um, and he sort of tells us a bit more about the hit series there. So it's going to be interesting to see how they progress. So that's all that is coming up this weekend. Brought to you by SLS Try. Oh, is he going to, I'm going to oh, ask you got my question. question. Okay. Okay, this is more of a John's dilemma question. Yes. So you get home after today's ride, because mm-hmm. we finished the show on time, do an hour. And Joe turns, um, not Joe, it's my partner. Joe, goodness. But yep. Linda turns to you. I was wondering you. where she was going. Belinda <laughs> turns to you and she says, <clears throat> John. I'm not allowed to ride anymore. No, no, she says, John, I want to do Ironman New Zealand. Yeah. This year. Yeah. How do you cope with that? Um, well, initially I have to uh, admit and, myself and A&E because of the stitches that need repairing in my rib cage from laughing so hard. <laughs> And then, no, but no, but let's say let's say I know it's, I know it's, a, it's an unrealistic yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, but she's she's like, nah, I want to do it. Just support her in oh, a really? husbandly way of doing it. It's, it's the same. If I have an athlete that comes to me and says they want to do an Ironman, I say, look, I really don't think it's the best idea for you. You're not going to be adequately prepared for it. But if they say, well, I'm doing it regardless of what you say, then okay, well. I'll either go bugger off, I don't want to help you because I don't think it's a, a sensible thing to do, or I just say, well, okay, we'll see what we can do. So I'd, I'd send her off the pool. And so where you go? Yeah. Would you coach her? Um, if she wanted me to. She wouldn't want to. I'd give her a program. I wouldn't coach her technically. I'd give her a training program to follow, she give her listen. advice. Because years ago I went out for this girl called Annalise, and mm-hmm. she wanted me to release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I probably was on the show. Mm-hmm. Annalise and I, yeah. And, uh, and she got into teaching Les Mills. Mm-hmm. And she got into the program that I'm probably most famous for within these mills, Body Attack. And, you know, without sounding like a arrogant prick, 
I've got to recognise as one of the best in the world at this thing that I do. Mm-hmm. So she started teaching body tech, and I go, oh, babe, do you want some tips? Yeah. She didn't want to have a bar of it from me. <laughs> I knew nothing in her world. <laughs> so I don't think she'd be using Coach Sean Houston. John, just while you've been talking about your relationship with Blinda, tryrun.com. Have you heard of this website? Runtry.com. It's been featured at least once as website of the week, okay, if good. not twice. Because I've got some pretty good stuff on here. So I've got hardest Ironman course, easiest and hardest. So mm-hmm. what do you think would be the hardest? Uh, St. George. And then what? Uh, Wisconsin. Then what? Malaysia. Is Malaysia still around? No, so St. George isn't around. Malaysia isn't around. Wisconsin, I wouldn't have said, is, is the hardest. That's based off time. So that, you know, that I, I guess, um, you know, I can't, again, this is Ironman races as well. It's got Louisville, China's not around, Cozumel, Coeur d'Alene, UK. They're all the American races half of them. Coeur d'Alene, Cozumel, Louisville, Wisconsin, St. George. Which is really What's going wrong here, people? What's the theme here? It's because... They're all disappearing? No, the times are slower over there than they are elsewhere in the world. Maybe. So you, are you saying the Americans are slower? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's what the stats are telling us. Well, maybe it's because St. George was a crazy course. Maybe it is. I think they got rid of St. George, didn't they? Where's Lanzarote fit in there? Lanzarote is down there in probably, t- probably three, Tenth, four, five, eighth, ninth. Easiest, place. Switzerland. Then Germany. Then Austria. Mm-hmm. Regensburg. Okay, John, next one. I'm just trying to give time because we haven't got much news this week, have we? You're just depriving me of my, my, my cycling time. I'm happy to move on to the next part okay. of the show. Next part of the show, John. <laughs> can't do an ad in the first minute. <laughs> We've been talking for hours. Okay. So ECLS try. Uh, last week I talked about compression socks. This week I want to keep that compression theme going and just talk through the um, other compression things that they've got going on. They've got the compression try race short, both for male and female. The female one's got a funky little flower on the butt. Uh, they've got the compression bib short bikes, bike shorts, and they're currently on special. 150 bucks down from 220. Gotta love that for a bit of bib short compression action going on. And also the compression full leg sleeves, which you can use as uh, when you're out on the bike as basically your, your leg warmers. And they've got a funky design on them as well. So the guys um, and girls compression tri race short is just a nice black and white one. So nice and neutral. And you've got something for everybody. Make sure you use the code IMTALK and you get 20% discount. So check it out for compression gear, slstry.com. So if you go to runtry.com, they've got another analysis here mm-hmm. of the 2012 Kona slots based on how much each race has it. So what's Ooh. interesting, Germany gets 100. Yes, because I'm the European Championships. Mm, but then Melbourne and New York only get 75. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if Germany changes to 75. Oh, you think next year that yeah. will happen? It seems to be what they're doing is just 50 slots at every single race except for the regional championships. Well, well they haven't said that. No, that Wisconsin's got 65, Florida's 65, Arizona's 65. I, yeah, again, I think that will be changing. And then you go right down. So then most of them have 50, oh, but then New Zealand have... now only has 40. Oh. And Australia only has 40. Wow, I was Cairns wrong. only has 40. Sweden only has 40. Lanzarote only 40. Canada goes up to 50. So then you got then so basically what's going wrong here? Hold on, hold on, hold on. What's going wrong here? New York 75, Wisconsin 65, Florida 65, Arizona 65. Cosmo, where are all these countries? Where are all these Ironmans being held? What is wrong with our sport here? Well, then then us in in this Pacific region are getting screwed because Australia, although Melbourne gets 75, but Melbourne's one of the top races. Australia, New Zealand, and Western Australia only get 40 each. Get rid of these bloody 70.3s. That's ridiculous. Buffalo Springs, how many spots have they got? 20-something. I can't read from here. But well, 20 interesting, so. because they're doing a 1% thing. Eagle Man. 
Come on. Let's be serious. Come on. 28 in California. Japan, 70.3 gets 30. <clears throat> wow, South Africa. Oh, they only get 30. Phuket gets 30. I know it won't anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. The new Asia Pacific Championships are the Auckland 70.3. So will they have slots? I would assume they way well do. They shouldn't, but they probably will. And then the legacy slots this year, they have 100. Mm. The, the high lottery slots <clears throat> gets 44. The priority lottery gets 100. And then the PC lottery, what's that? Physically challenged. Oh, okay. They get five slots. It's a bit harsh, but... What do you mean? There should be more? Well, no. And then there's an other. It's 49. Hmm. Where does the other go? That's a good question. We should put that to WTC. <laughs> we should. That's good. That's a good. It's good image there. I mean, um, it's just stupid how there's seventy point that many seventy point three slots. Agree. Maybe the championship races. You know, like your your world seventy point threes. Maybe your regional ones. If you really want to go down that path, but for just uh, for a race like Eagle Man or something like that. And I agree with the, maybe the Kona seventy point three getting the Big Island. You know, maybe giving yeah. the Islanders a bit of preferential treatment. No problem with that. But come on, let's just get serious. But John, do you think five years from now there'll be none? Uh, wouldn't be. I would hope so because they're adding more and more Ironmans all the time. Yeah, because if we look at it, you go, okay, well we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven seventy point threes at this stage mm-hmm. that are getting slots. What's interesting is if you win the world seventy point three age group, you don't get to go to Kona. Mm, based off that, you don't. No. But you think that would be a bit of a reward, wouldn't it? Could be under other. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> maybe it is. Um, anyway, but it's interesting. I, I, I see, you know, if we go back five years ago, when we first started doing this show, or mm. five, six years ago, there was a lot more 70.3s, weren't there? And New Zealanders couldn't have been complaining back then. We used, we used to get 80. They got it up to 80 slots from New Zealand. But back in the old day, you used to buy your slots. So I wonder what happens mm. now. Do you still buy your slots or do you... You, you're good at asking me these questions. You just make so much money, eh? Because what does it cost to go to Kona? About a thousand bucks? To enter? Yeah. Ballpark. New Zealand? Yeah. yeah. So you're paying about a thousand bucks New Zealand. It's about 600, 700 US. And then, if I mean, New Zealand's also paying to have you there. We mm. should have asked Jane what they pay to have them there. Mm. Do you think she would have said? Yeah, she's always pretty honest, Jane. I love Jane. Okay, um, so there you go. There's some interesting discussion around the qualification slots for Kona. John, what's up next? A bit of music and then age group of the week. Here we go. Age group of the week. week. And this week was sent through from Ed. I'm thinking that's Ed Hawkins. Probably. And he's got, I've got an age group of the week for uh, two from the, uh, this race. Which race was that, John? I New York I'm City. New York, I guess. Brian Murphy, my pal from the Big Apple of New York City. <laughs> Do your American accent. No. Why? I'll, I'll bring it out later. Okay. Don't need the pressure. Did, did you do the Scottish? No. Uh, he has done 11 Ironman races in the US and around the world previously to the Ironman New York, uh, and around the world previously to the Ironman New York champion um, New York Championship race, chasing a Kona New York slot. City. Yeah, no. It's, it's, how many hours have we been doing NYC. this today? How long? We've got the ambiance going. We've got the plane flying past your house. The sun's beaming in. I do like my, my view. My legs getting a little sunburnt on one side. Is it? 
Yeah, nice. Um, he has been so close a number of times, missing out by one place, etc. On Saturday, he put together a 9.52 to finish fourth in his age group and book his slot to the Big Island. We'll see you there in a couple of months, Brian. It was amazing. It always amazes me to hear so many stories of athletes chasing slots around the world only to win a race in their backyard and go on to qualify. Brilliant. Well done, Brian. You deserve that slot and enjoy the Big Island, mate. Enjoy talking to us. Come talk to us. Exactly. On the, the boat, people seem to like the old interviews where we hang off the side. And people we're... love listening to the interview on the boats because they hear the water, don't they? Yeah. And we always get the people that are saying, I was at work, working away, and I hear the water in the boat and it breaks my heart. And we have, if our, if our sound quality this year is not exceptional, we have not, not, nobody to blame but ourselves because Audio Technica oh, OTT has, on has delivery. cranked out some more stuff. You know when you're watching your news team and you have like all the news channels and they've got their little thing under the mic like which shows what news channel is? ESPN or BBC yeah. or whatever. We've got an IM Talk one this year, guys. That is good. Now, my goal is to get on the ESPN coverage. Yeah. Or the NBC coverage, just have it somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to run up Crowey as he run up the finish line. Yeah. And I'll put it in front of his face. Good. I've got to think of, um, because we've got a bit of a Kona theme here, because Brian's qualified for Kona office, I was trying to think of a few um, other things we can do over there. If you guys have got ideas on what we can do during the race, what sort of coverage you want, I thought what would be quite cool is if we go to one of the aid stations and sort of have a bit of a chat to some of the people at the oh, aid yeah, station, sorry, yeah. what sort of instruction they get. And also maybe I was quite keen to sort of watch the first few pros go through the aid station, sort of see what they're taking on early in, early in the race. How are we going to do that? Well, just bike down and you drive a little bit. We're on the run? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 We've never been out to watch any of the bike, have we? That's a bit of a challenge. No, the problem with the bike, guys, is, is well, you're actually best not to if you're doing media because mm. when you do media, there are some pretty cool privileges. And what a lot of first-timers, those mm. those plebs, yeah. <laughs> what they do is they get on the old on the truck which follows the pros, but you're literally stuck in a truck, aren't you? Yeah. And apparently it gets pretty hot and you kind of can't get off it. You've got to, yeah. If you're there... You're there for the whole pretty much four and a half hours. We just go take a little little breather. <laughs> we have a breather. And then you've got the media room. The media room rocks because they've got all the coverage. Big live. screen. Big screen. Some pros. Last year, Maka came in yeah. and, and Terenzo. Yeah. And uh, we sat down and had a good discussion with those boys. And uh, and it's, so it's quite cool. And they feed you as well. Mm-hmm. Got to get in quick on the food. They sometimes run out a bit. Yeah, There's always plenty, quick. plenty of drinks yep. and stuff. Those guys from Competitive Magazine sharpen up, boys. <laughs> and uh, And so... Yeah, so so we kind of sit there, and then once the pros, before they come into transition, really don't know, we kind of go outside yeah. and get on our bikes. Well, we watch them run past, mm-hmm. and then we get on your bikes, and then you're pretty much getting out to Lanalehi Drive, going out to the Energy Lab. Mm-hmm. You, you can't go in the Energy Lab, that's the only no. thing, isn't it? And the sad thing is, is that's often where the race happens, isn't it? Yeah, when... when Crowy uh, ran away the first... Was it the first time we were there? When Crowy beat um, Raylert, like they went into the Energy Lab together, and when they came out, it was race over. Yeah. So yeah. So, but anyway, we'll do our best to get good shows to you guys. So, if you have any ideas around what you want us to do when you're there, um, yeah, let us know. To put a post up, and I've got some good ideas in terms of uh, some some people to interview. But we just uh, any other ideas you've got, and also on the I Am Talk website. Do we know uh, if Belinda Granger's qualified? Uh, I've got no idea, but she's doing the uh, Meta Man next weekend. Last last weekend, maybe like maybe last weekend. A couple of weeks ago. So maybe maybe not. I'm sure she'll be there. What were you going to say if you had a question? Lost it now, you threw it's me. Been, it's been four I, hours. I posted uh, something on Facebook uh, of people that we were going to interview. And lots of people posted on there, so we're on to it. Sponsor. So, extreme Endurance. I wonder if they have they've developed an Extreme Endurance product that uh, helps you from getting tired when you're doing three or four hours of podcasting <laughs> back to back. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we talked about a couple of their products. The one that we've got the, the discount code for at the moment, if you want to go to, hold on, just before I talk about Extreme Endurance, if you want to come do the, the IM Talk Blue 70 Wetsuit Aquathon yeah, Challenge, go on, do it. Go on to the IM Talk dot me website and there's just a little form just to put your name down there um, how many people have qualified I don't know got you, I, I just put it under Kona I think it is uh, and it's just you basically got to put in your, four, your your 400 meter swim time and your 5k run time I'll work out a handicap system and we want to see how many people get up there we'll make sure that we've got a couple of little uh, goodies there one thing you need to be careful of when you're doing the, the wetsuit challenge which is pretty much a highlight of everyone's year mm-hmm. As you're swimming and the people swimming towards you, aren't you? Oh, yeah. It's a little bit yeah. dangerous. We yeah. never talked about that, did we? Yeah. You're pretty much, you jump off the boat and everyone's coming out for their swim and you're heading in the opposite direction. Yeah. And you're not trying to be friendly because you're really, how'd you do this? It forms. Is it on the website? Yeah, it's easy. I've, I've used them quite, they're really good and then just populates it into a spreadsheet for you. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So... Do you want to put your name down, do you? Okay, I'll do it while you're talking. Yeah. So it's going to be, I think we're going to do it on Wednesday. You, should, you, should, you know, can you add something to this? What? Add a comment. I add a comment? Yep. Yeah, because then you can have something funny about yourself. Yep. Because I'd probably put current champion. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Uh, so Extreme Endurance, um, the discount code we've got, which is also on our website at the moment, is for the Amiga products. So they've got the Extreme Amiga 1000, formerly known as Extreme Amiga Boost. Um, promotes cardiovascular health and wellness, reduces inflammatory from arthritis and better joint function, promotes healthy skin and eyes, supports normal brain function and benefits the immune system. If you go on the auto delivery before the discount code, it's only twenty one ninety five for a bottle of that. So get on to X Endurance if you want the code. Uh, go on to our website and click on the under our sponsors. We've got all the promo codes on there. Do you want to t- let's tell them what it is, Bevan? Our sponsors. Our sponsors promo, promo codes. I want to see my times. Ah, five k twelve minutes. Twelve minutes. Yeah, four hundred minutes. Sixty-three seconds point two. Absolutely fine with you exceeding those times. That will give you a nice handicap. Amiga Talk gives you twenty percent off Extreme Endurance in the EU and the US, and no, Amiga, Amiga Talk AD gives it off you the monthly discount off the Amiga Talk products. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, team. Uh, what have we got next, Jumbo? <clears throat> we have got interview. An interview. Who with? With Andrew. Andrew Hassard. And so Andrew Hassard is the person who did the, the Deca? Yep. Okay, well, let's, let's get on. I'm really interested in to see what the Deca experience is like. So am I. Okay, let's go. Righty-ho. This week um, we've got a man who must be a bit of a nutter. We're yet to find out if he is or isn't. Um, oh, I think he is. Andrew Hassard. He's, uh, I, I grabbed this little intro from a triathlete magazine, an article online. So Chain Reactions Cycle staff member Andrew Hassard decided to mix business with pleasure and take on the Decker man. Andrew is a category manager with Chain Reaction Cycles based in their HQ in Northern Ireland and took on the beast of a race 10 Ironmans in 10 days. So he's another one of these Decker nutters. So uh, welcome along to the show, Andrew. Hello, guys. How's things? Pretty good. I'm going to start with the uh, cliche question you probably um, had every time you've talked about this race um, because I struggle with it a little bit. But what the hell inspires you <laughs> to do a Decker man? Um, I guess part of it is, is definitely the ego thing. There's a little bit of it there is... I wonder if I can do it, and if one, I wonder if I can do something which not very many other people have done. Mm-hmm. But I guess the the big part of it was was the charity side of it. 
and that's what really was the big motivation. Um, about a year ago, um, June 2011, I did a double Ironman, and after that, I was struggling quite a bit to get motivated to do uh, kind of long distance stuff, and the the little dark monkey that sometimes sits on your shoulder and tells you to not do things was getting very heavy on my shoulders. Mm. And um, about November time, the the charity we did it with, uh, the Ulster Cancer Foundation, or Cancer Focus NI as it's now called, got in contact about the event. And I, I guess that was the that the little bit of extra motivation that I needed was the funds that we were going to raise and the, the good work uh, and benefits we can do through that. So can you tell us about this event? Because, you know, there's lots of different deckers on around the world and um, some oh, of them have, uh, you know, you swim in a, in a swimming pool and, and there's maybe 50 people doing it or 30 people or 10 or 20. Um, but tell us about this particular event because I think there was only three of you that actually did the decker, I think. Um, so can you just tell us a bit about it? Yeah, so there was three of us. There was Bob Davison, Keith Clark and myself who did the full 10 days. Then there was... Um, as part of the, the, the setup, we you could come down and pe- some people did their first Ironman, some people did their first half Ironman, other, there was one guy who cycled every day, mm-hmm. um, those people came down did their first marathon, their first half marathon, uh, and lots of things uh, everywhere in between. So we started off each morning at 7 o'clock with the swim, uh, it was a lake-based swim, so what started off as a fairly... Uh, tepid kind of lake that was quite nice to get into by day six was feeling a little bit chilly and by day 10 felt absolutely baltic oh, really? <laughs> the, the, uh, so we you get through that you know i was getting through that each day and just under an hour um then we were out on the bike and it really was it it wasn't a hard bike course physically but by the end of by the end of probably Day one, you're thinking this, this is not a bad bike course. By day two, you think I'm going to know this bike course pretty well by the end of it. <laughs> by day three, I'm thinking I'm not going to like this course by the end of it. And by day five, I positively hated it. It was a just under nine and a half mile course, uh, and it wasn't even a loop. It was cycled to one end of the road, cycled back to the other end of the road, and then back to the centre. Mm. And that was one lap, and we had to do 12 of those each day. Oh really? What? And then finished. We finished off with a marathon, obviously, and it wasn't much better. It was just over a one-kilometer path that we ran up and down f- just uh, forty times. Oh really? Yeah. So it, it, like the the mental aspect of it, and, and having to break it down and get through that every day, just became harder and harder as the ten days went on. Wow. So uh, the event itself was it was it. Did it more feel like a training day each day in terms of the atmosphere? Was there, was there much going on? Um, or did you basically just have a little picnic table set up for the three of you and you just sort of uh, did your business each day? No, we had we had like a little mini kind of campsite and at the HQ. And, um, day, we started on a Friday, uh, Friday the 6th of July. And Friday, Saturday, Sunday were pretty busy actually. There was lots of people down. Um, the, there was plenty going on. The m- first Monday and Tuesday were a little bit quiet. There wasn't too many other people about. Uh, but the rest of the week is, is like a, a holiday period in Northern Ireland, and it was quite busy as well with people coming down and in and out. In terms of you know 
with how we set up. We, there was there was uh, Bob and Keith. Both had camper vans. Um, I had the work um, trailer there as well. So there, there was plenty of space, and, and there was lots of people always in the you know our support crews and stuff there as well. Mm-hmm. What what about um you know talking us through the race? Um, when I looked at your times, when you initially when we got in contact, um, it seemed like your times did vary quite a bit from day to day. So I'm interested to know um, how hard you were pushing each day, whether you were trying to hold a particular pace, or whether you were basically just going by feel and just rolling with it, and and sort of treating each day as a big long training session. Um, a, a little bit of both, really. So I had uh, I, I'd been doing a lot of work in the run up to it with uh, like a, a exercise centre in Northern Ireland called Body Lab and I, and uh, we'd been doing a bit of work on you know the physical side of things, but also then the plan going into it, and also the nutrition plan. So no, and I've also the course I did the double Ironman on last year. There was a, a DACA going on at the same time in it. And I, I kind of, you know, looked at the kind of times and how the guys there, what strategies they were taking to. Mm. And really, it, it doesn't matter how quick or how fast or how slow you go on day one. There's one thing that's certain, and that is you're going to get slower as, as the 10 days go on, really. So um, I I like sleep, and I, I can't cope with, with, with very little sleep, whereas it was Keith. Um, he was he was able to cope with doing longer days each day and having you know not as much sleep in between mm. each day. So um, my um, day one was was to try and get around kind of thirteen fourteen hours, knowing that I was going to go slower the next day and slower the next day after that. I ha- also had a little secret uh, aim of my own, and that was to try and keep all my times below seventeen hours, the the standard Ironman cutoff time too. So I just about managed that on the last day when I did my slowest time of sixteen and a half hours, <sighs> and in in between, um, you know, I think I did about twelve and a half or twelve forty five on day one, um, and gradually got slower as the day went on, as the days went on. With I, I pulled it back slightly on day eight when I did a fourteen and a half or fifteen hour day that day, and then my last two days it was just I I was in the frame of mind where I just I didn't care if it took twenty two hours to get through them. It was <laughs> I, I could cope with no sleep on on day nine going into day ten, but um, th- there was plenty of times in between that you know for a minute to pass it felt like it was an hour and going up and down that road on the bike just felt like it was never going to end and you were never going to get the lap 12 and you know then getting off the bike and starting to run you're just like six hours it might as well be six days to complete this run so it uh it certainly tested the the brain as much as the legs tell us about that you know like obviously part of the appeal of doing something as crazy as that is is where do you go within yourself um under you know such fatigue so you know like tell us a little bit about maybe what it was like in those toughest moments mentally and also, you know, physically what happened to your body as you went throughout the race. So, you know, mentally first, what was it like? Uh, I, I guess I, I, I had myself, you know, for the first, for the kind of three, four weeks before the before the event, I, I did spend a lot of time thinking, what am I going to do whenever I find myself in, in that uh, proverbial dark hole that, that no doubt I was going to get myself into? And, um, you know, I, I drew strength from kind of my support crews. My, my, my wife, Joanna, was, was there most of the 10 days, and at times when I needed it, she put her arm around me and told me everything was going to be all right. And at other times, she 
put on her steel toe cap boots and give me a kick up the backside just when I needed it. Um, and and then also you know again I'll come back to the charity thing again and you know I was in a position where whether it was wise or whether it was not wise or whether it was stupid or whether it was smart I I chose to do the event and there's people who weren't in that uh, in as lucky as the position as I was in where I guess there's people in life who would uh, do anything to swap positions with me and uh, you know who aren't as in good health as I was in. You you talked quite a bit about um you know the 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 growing dislike of the course and uh and uh and a growing passion for for hating it what about what are what are some of the things that you really liked and some of the really cool things that that did get you going and and kept that motivation going you, you talked about the charity but what other things did you like about the the actual challenge i uh, yeah i on the course i'd definitely not be back near that course for a while <laughs> if I, Except if I take a bulldozer and some dynamite to it, possibly. But uh, um, you know, when you're out in a course, it's 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 as much like I'm I'm six foot six and I'm 110 kg. So I, I, I quite like my food. So I, you know, before each day we went down and I would know what food was coming up and we we'd have the plan of when I was coming in the bike. So. Um, you know, if I was coming off in after three laps on the bike, I might break it down by saying, "Okay, like it's going to be a couple more laps, and I get something to eat." Or uh, if I knew that someone was coming down that day, you know, to come out in the bike with me, that would be something else to look forward to. Or mm-hmm. so, you know, sometimes on the bike you'd be out and you'd have someone with you, and a couple of laps or three or four laps would pass pretty easily. Other times when you're out cycling on your own and there's a bit of a headwind and. Um, you, you just have to curse and swear at yourself a little bit and keep the head down and um, just keep going. Then, you know, little surprises turn up. Like, I think it was on day seven or day eight, one of my wife's friends turned up, and up until that point, all I'd been eating at each of my breaks was pasta. And it was just basically pasta with a different sauce or pasta with a bit of chicken, pasta with a different sauce, pasta with a different bit of chicken. And it kind of got pretty repetitive, but... My friends, uh, my wife's friend turned up and she brought along some homemade uh, sweet and sour pork with homemade uh, sauce, and it honestly was the best thing I've ever tasted in my life. <laughs> I almost, I almost started. Well, in fact, I probably did start dribbling as soon as I saw it. Just dropped the plate of pasta I had and scoffed it. So <laughs> it's it's funny the kind of things you remember or the things that please you in the middle of a dagger. You know, like throughout the race, obviously ten days, and, and you know, in each day you're tired, and each day you're getting less sleep and all the rest of it. But I'm curious, you know, when was the hardest moment in in the race? And then, you know, did you get to day nine and it actually got easier because you knew that you're kind of close to the end? Was your moment close to the, you know when was the hardest moment, and when did it actually kind of become okay because you knew you were close to finishing? I, in terms of knowing when I when I, when I knew I was going to get through it, and, and pre-race I had kind of decided that my goal initially was to get to day eight, and I knew if I got to day eight and got through that in a reasonable time and reasonable shape, I, I could crawl through the last two days. But mm. in terms of the day that was really, really sent to test me and the day that if I was going to break, it would have been day six, and it just it wasn't anything in particular, but just from start to finish, everything that could possibly go wrong or could possibly annoy me or possibly make me think this is enough. Um, it was that day, so I, I got into the swim and my goggles leaked 
literally from five strokes out into the lake, my goggles started to leak, and they leaked the whole way around, so I had to stop and keep emptying my goggles. Then um, got through that and thought, well, things that's my bad thing for the day. Got on the bike, and a couple of laps in, my bearings went and my back wheel, so I had a spare wheel, but it was just another thing to ignore me. And then as I got to the end of the run, sorry, they got to the end of the cycle, it just started to rain, so as soon as I stepped out onto the run course, it, it honestly, I've not seen rain like it in Northern Ireland before. It was massive droplets, and it just rained solid for the whole marathon, and the, the, the path we were running on flooded, so just all the things you don't want when you're, running, when you're running a marathon on its own, or you're doing an Ironman on its own. On day six, just everything just came flooding down on us, and the place was soaked, and uh, it was just a total mental battle the whole day and you know it was just at so many points I thought I've genuinely had enough I think I've done five in a row and that's enough And um, but you know it, it, was, it was a tough day to get through um, you obviously, you know, you, you, you sounds like you did some good planning for it in terms of looking at what the guys did in a, in a previous decker, and, and you did some some really good mental preparation on on how you were going to get through those dark moments. But what are the some some of the things that you you learnt uh, about that maybe you can give advice for others that things you you didn't quite anticipate happening the way that they did? Um, so, so basically, the things that, that you learnt that you would change for next time. If there was ever going to be a next time, <laughs> yeah, I think if my wife finds out there's a next time, there may be a letter from the solicitor comes. To me. <laughs> um, I, I guess you know the I I've touched on it. I've just said it that the preparation is key and and having it, it's all very well having having a plan, but it needs to be a fairly flexible plan put together. Um, that really. Every, every moment of the day is, is absolutely key and every minute you can you can uh, you can utilize between finishing one day and starting the next day is absolutely key and even a few minutes you know we got to the point where it was what what actually happened was someone was would go up to the house we were staying in near the site um, get get dinner ready bring it down and I would eat dinner in the car on the way back because that saved five minutes. Um, and and you know looking after yourself and you know what happens between the race is is, is as much key as it is what happens during the race. So like I we had physios down who were rubbing my legs out between. Um, we had physios when I came out of the swim to put my legs back together. And it's you know over the course of a day, losing maybe fifteen minutes or twenty minutes in transition isn't a big deal. You have to you have to kind of let those things roll, and there's no way you're going to get through ten days and everything go to plan and everything be swimming and everything be happy. But you just kind of not let things annoy you, let things roll past you, and and just get on with it and, and deal with it. Thank you, John. Well, I tell you what, if you're going to do a decker, coffee's going to help you, isn't it? It is. And uh, tell me a, a fact that's going to make me live longer. Um. How coffee beans can save your beans. Nice. F- facts for the gentleman. Ah, oh, there we go. Facts for the gentleman. So it's saving your beans. Yeah. Oh. Six or more cups of joe a day helps reduce the risk of developing any prostate cancer by 20%. Some of these facts on here are great, but you've got to drink a lot of coffee. You have to drink a lot of coffee, don't you? It's really interesting, isn't it, that, that the volume's massive to actually get the benefit. Like, it's a massive gain, 20%. Somebody could be making all this stuff up. No, John, it's, uh, it's on the internet. It must, so be, it must true. be true. It must be true. The second fact is... Um, oh, 
it's, this is six cups of, of Joe a day, also cuts the risk of getting a lethal version of the lethal version of prostate cancer by as much as 60%. Really? Also, as little as one to three cups per day minimizes the cancer of getting another form of prostate cancer by 30%. Wow. Guys, we're not telling you to buy coffees of Hawaii because we want Albert's business to go well. We want you to buy coffees of Hawaii because we're saving your life. Exactly. Look at that. There we go. So, coffeesofhawaii.com. Go to coffeesofhawaii.com. Now, remember, if you're heading to Hawaii, because we must be getting close to Hawaii on the show. Must be. Mm, if you're heading to Hawaii, one of the highlights of going to Hawaii, one of the kind of, you know, there's those experiences you have to do, isn't there, when you mm-hmm. head up to Kona. You've got to get to the airport. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> got to go to Lava Java. Got to go to Lava Java. But the coffee boat is one of the things that's just an iconic part of doing the trip nowadays. So when you get there, you swim out, what, about 400 metres? Max. Yeah, yeah but probably four, 400. Yeah. Three, four, three, 400 metres. Three, 400. You swim about 400 metres. They've got coffee there. They often also have those Aaron Baker biscuits. And often have uh, goos as well. Now, one thing that's going to be really important with the coffee boat this year is that the guys from Iron Band are going to be playing one day. Mm-hmm. So the guys from Iron Band are going to be there. We'll let you know when it is because we'll be there. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should get dressed up as rockers. Okay, I'll get some wigs. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. So we'll be rockers for Iron Man. John looks like he's loving the idea. Very excited. So coffees of Hawaii, but if you're going to Kona, seriously lock it in. We'll be there with our microphone interviewing lots of you guys. So head out to the boat. And also when you're in Kona, grab some of the coffee because it's bloody amazing. It is. Here we go. Here's back to our deck of man. Well, you know, like pre-race, you know, you've obviously done, I'm not sure if you've done Iron Man, but you've done a double before. You've obviously been an endurance athlete for a while. Did you change your training a lot or did you kind of train how you normally would for like an Ironman and just do like, yeah, what was the approach that was different because you knew you were going to be doing it back to back for 10 days? Um, so I, I did I did my first Ironman about two years ago. Um, then the next year did double Ironman and this year did Daga. So um, the, there's, there's obviously, there has to be a bit of extra quantity goes and in, goes into the training and, and goes into preparation. But I reckon, you know, I, I was probably in the physical shape to do this uh, probably end of May or middle of June. Um, so I, I, as I planned it, really, February going into March, April and the start of May were going to be the, the heavy months where I, where I did, the you know, a lot of the a lot of the, the preparation for it physically. So I would be up most mornings and out of the house by five o'clock. Um, uh, and then after work, I'd, I'd be doing a session again. So typically before work in February, March, and the start of April, I would be in the pool swimming, um, or on the bike. So February, I was still probably on the turbo early mornings, and then I started going out on the bike early mornings uh, as well out in the roads. Which, if you've ever been to Northern Ireland, it's kind of February, March, April aren't the uh, aren't the warmest times of year, and it's not very light, and it's generally generally quite cold and quite wet but all, all, all things like that and you know coming into April as well I started going down to the coast and, and going swimming in the Irish Sea early mornings as well which even now in the middle of our supposed summer the, the water temperature is still probably about 11 or 12 degrees nice. so you know all, all those things whilst they're good physically the other thing they did was prepare me mentally for it as well so if you can face driving down to the, the RSC, which you know is going to be 9 degrees, and getting in there at half 6 in the morning, 
uh, and, and it was quite a struggle some mornings to get out of the car when it's raining, when it's windy, to put on a wetsuit and go and dip your toe into the water that's absolutely baltic freezing, even if it is only for 15 or 20 minutes the first few times. You know, it's, it's all building up your kind of mental toughness as well as your, phys- as well as your physical ability as well. Um, and then kind of towards the latter end or towards um, kind of May going into June, uh, that, that really then it was just kind of maintaining myself, uh, doing a few events just to keep the kind of sharpness up that way and, and kind of run through anything, you know, that I could learn from those. So I did a few events before the DACA and then it was just kind of taking everything that I'd learned and done over the last six months, a year, two years uh, and trying to get through the, the 10 days of the DACA. I, th- I think you should quit your job as um, working for Chain Reaction Cycles and become the new spokesperson for Northern Ireland summer holiday tourism. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm booking and I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> we have to travel yeah. around the world, but I'm coming. Um, I, I guess um, so. We sort of touched on the, the training side of things a bit, but you, you mentioned this earlier on is uh, how you sort of fear, felt about why you did the challenge for Dickie. You know, you needed potentially something else because you'd done a double so maybe the, the single Ironman wasn't quite so appealing so what now for you you know you've done a decade there's not really many other I mean I suppose you could think up some really crazy ass um, ad- adventures to, to try to supersede that but what's what's going to be a challenge for you now that you know you can go as long as pretty much anybody's been with that with the exception of a few nutters but what motivates you now for, for athletically yeah I guess what I the plans for next year really would be to see how fast if, if I put my mind to it did some decent uh, work over the winter kind of speed wise how fast could I go I'd, I'd like anybody that does an Ironman uh, I, I would love to go to Kona and I reckon if I could get to Kona I will be the heaviest and the hairiest competitor ever get <laughs> I'll take you on on the hairy front don't worry <laughs> Uh, you'll you'll lose. <laughs> All right, game on. Game on. I won't win. Um, <laughs> t- tell us a bit about the, the charity and um, you know what what you sort of raised and and um, whether people can still contribute to that. Yeah, so the the charity is called Cancer Focus NI. Um, it, it's obviously the name says all. It's it's a cancer charity that do some fantastic work. And uh, it's not it's not just you know it's not just going to help out Northern Ireland. It, it's a lot of the money that we raise goes into research, um, that then gets the goes out worldwide. Um, the there's a just giving page. It's just giving talk got well spit that one out. Justgiving.co.uk forward slash Andrew Dagger. Um, so far, it's been we've raised. I think our total at the minute has gone over ten thousand uh, oh, right. pounds. I think we're up to about twelve or thirteen k at the minute, nice. and it's it, it's it's just been a, a totally humbling experience, really. That you know we started off before the deck, and we maybe had a, you know a few hundred pounds each raised, and I was genuinely thinking that if if I raised kind of five or six hundred quid, I'd be pretty pleased. And just during the event, you know, the money just came flying in, and you know all sorts of encouraging messages and, uh, and and the donations it was just it's been one of the most humbling experiences that I've ever done in my life Andrew I'm curious you know like 
to, to even contemplate taking on a task like this takes a special kind of person who who obviously loves a challenge um, to, to go on and go through that experience, you know, and, and I know there was there was a cause for it, but what did you learn, what do you take away from this experience about yourself that maybe you learned and, you know, that maybe some character traits that you've developed in yourself through this experience? Uh, uh, I guess, you know, the, the big one is, is just being able to get through, no matter, no matter what's chucked at you, I, I can get through it, and if, um, I'm I'm not without being arrogant. I'm I'm not short in confidence in what I can do, and I, you know I have a lot of belief in myself. But I, I I guess you know the thing was there's there's not been too many things that, that I faced that I've kind of thought I've gone in too deep this time. I really am in over my head, and the deck I really was one of them. You know for. Generally, coming up to big events, I won't. I won't have the the crazy dreams or the, or the or the nightmares, if you want to put it, for you know until maybe a day or two before it. But I was dreaming about the deck, maybe three four months before it, and I, and I, I did I did struggle a little bit with how I was going to face it. But you know, the, it's like cycling up a big hill, or it's like running up a big hill. It's always worse when you're looking at it from far off. So the you know in terms of just getting in there and get it tackled and get it done. Uh, and work work your way through it one day at a time or one little chunk at a time um, is something that I'll certainly take with me in the future life. Mm, awesome. awesome. Uh, it was a bloody impressive achievement, you know. Um, I can't oh. comprehend doing a decker. <laughs> um, no, you've probably got too much sense. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, so, yeah, obviously, your wife was a huge part of it, um, and, and obviously, the people that donated money are, are, are a big part of it as well. But are there any other sort of key people you want to sort of thank publicly in terms of uh, making this happen? I, th- I think, you know. Uh, Bob, uh, Keith, and I all—you know—the support crews, uh, all our wives are ahead of our support crew, so they, they've got to get special mention. Um, uh, all the sponsors and, and and all the people who were down there day in day out. There's 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 a good list of people, and there's a long list of people. And if I start to name them, they I'll end up leaving somebody out. But everyone who was there knows the part they played and and knows how important they were to us. And I just thanks to every single one of them. What, what was the relationship like, you know, between, with only three people there, I imagine you've become quite close, but what happened, how was the relationship between the other two athletes and yourself? Uh, Bob, Bob and Keith are cousins, so they, they go on like a house on fire and they're, they're, a, uh, they're a pretty good duo and a comedy act whenever, whenever they're on form together, so um, I've, been, I've been friends with them for a few years. Actually, Bob is one of my, uh, he was one of my inspirations and one of the reasons I got into endurance. Um, kind of events. I met him through our local triathlon club, High Elbow, um, and I when I hadn't done anything at that point. I was kind of running maybe two or three miles a week um, at most, and uh, I, I joined the triathlon club and met this guy who who was who had done Ironman and stuff. And then the next thing I knew, he had done an, a double Ironman. I was just like, wow, that is completely and utterly bonkers. And then uh, little by little, I've kind of caught up on him and. He and I have got a, a nice bit of friendly rivalry going on. So the year that I did a double Iron Man to become the same as him, he went and did a triple Iron Man. And, uh, <laughs> every every time one of us runs a certain distance, the the other one goes and runs a little bit further. So uh, yeah, so like he, we both got engaged round about the same time. So he had to get married a few weeks ahead of me, and you know, <laughs> so the battle goes on. <laughs> Awesome. But no, it, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty we're we're pretty good friends, and um, we look forward to see what next challenge that gets set up for us. 
Nice. Yeah, it sounds like you boys are up to it. We'll have we'll have a couple of um, there's a few video links that we'll put up on IamTalk.me so you guys can uh, check out some of the challenge that these guys went through and uh, you know give Andrew a bit of love with a bit of support for Foundation. <coughs> so thanks very much for coming on the show, Andrew, and uh, we hope to see you over in Kona sometime in the future. Absolutely, hope so. We'll look out for a giant beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's it brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. Okay, mate, thanks thank for your you. time yeah thank you very much so John the question is Belinda comes up to you <laughs> and says I want to do a dick what do you okay. say then I'll give you another D word <laughs> there we go um, so how much would I have to pay you to do a, do a, do a dicker $100,000. $100,000? Yeah. Now, I well, we had a recording problem too, <laughs> and I really wanted to do it again because it was really funny, but it's not maybe not worked so much. I reckon I could get you down to 20. You've got to get me 50. No, I reckon 20. I reckon if I opened up $20,000 right now, I said, how long do you reckon it'll take you to train for it? Um... You see, this is a question whether it's completion or whether it's actually no, completion. Completion is still bloody hard. Don't get me wrong. Oh, completion is craziness. But completion versus competition is two different things. Well, I don't think you get much competition in a deco. Mm. You know, what's the biggest about ten people? Yeah, but then if you were to put bonuses on the line, saying if you can, oh, okay, a- okay, so twenty to do it. Yeah. If you can go sub ten and a half hours every day. You get you, a bonus. No, you give me so you give me a bonus each day. I go sub ten and a half. Okay, we'll do two on a smooth we'll road. We'll go. We'll go ten and a half. That's okay. moving it. Ten and a half. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all good for a couple of days, but two, yeah. four days into it. So if we could go, so twenty thousand to do it. Yeah, and then I was go five you, another five for each no, day. Two, a two, two thousand dollars to go sub so ten and a half. There's a potentially another twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, you're not going to go ten and a half sub for ten days. And if you can average sub eleven, average, you get an extra fifty thousand dollar bonus. <laughs> so potentially you could earn ninety. Okay, wait a second. So we'll work out that the sub is about two and a half. So potentially yeah. you could earn a hundred thousand mm. if you average under eleven. You get an extra fifty thousand dollar bonus, twenty for doing, and then another thirty thousand if you can get under ten and a half a day. Yeah, I don't think. How much do you possible. think you'd make? I, I, I've, uh, so what do I get for completing? Twenty. So you're gonna get twenty for completion, mm. and then every day you go under two and a half thousand, you basically get three grand. Probably make thirty. Maybe, maybe try maybe try it for the first four days, but I just I really think going sub eleven for that many days back to back, that'd be pretty tough. But you you're, you're a, a sub nine guy. Was, was, <laughs> and it would also depend on the competition. You need some people pacing you. Imagine just doing that by yourself, which is what most of these guys probably do, is uh, just cranking it by themselves. Would you be happy with thirty thousand? Sorry, would you be happy with thirty thousand? Depends how hard you got to train for it. If it was just, yeah, probably not. How long no. do you reckon you would train no, for? I'd, it? I'd need. I'd need to. In my mind, I need to have. I need to be getting fifty. Realistic fifty. Possibility of a hundred. So you'd need to go, well, in that case, I'll give you 50 for doing it, but you only get 100 if you go sub-11 every day. <laughs> would you be happy with that? Possibly. John, yep. how long would you have to train for it to do a deco? Well, as a coach, I know this is like a different world, but mm. how would you approach coaching it? Uh, just a lot of simulating. Um, I guess it, I'd probably just treat it as if it's more of a... Yeah, I coach a few guys that do um, doubles and triples and probably take a pretty similar approach to that, you know, just do some big 12-hour bike ride days, lots of 12-hour individual time trials, things like that. 
Um, you can only do so much. You can't simulate. No, you'd screw much. yourself, wouldn't you? Yeah. But then the other side of it is, what if you were to catch one of the deckers where it's just continuous? How would you do that? I probably wouldn't, to be honest. Oh, you wouldn't? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. No. I, I usually, when I'm as a coach, I usually want to practice what I preach and have done it yeah. before. I, and and um, I wouldn't, no, for the, for the 10 continuous, mad, I, I'd probably it? just pass it on to somebody else. Mm, it's definitely some thought, but I'd pass it on probably. Yeah, well, you don't want to stuff it up either, do you? No. Okay, sponsor. Athlinks.com. Um, by this stage, I've probably done two 10K races. Oh, really? That's right, because you went sub-34 last time, didn't you? Yes, sub-34. Yep. And we've probably got the Takid Akaroa relay. We've got this road relay in Christchurch, um, which is called Takid Akaroa. It's an eight-man road relay. And as a coach, I always say to people, don't do lap one and don't do lap seven. Oh, really? <laughs> because you generally can't walk after them. <clears throat> because lap one starts about downhill, 500 metres from Bevan's place and you run uphill for 4K and then straight down, as a gentle uphill for 4K and so then straight down, 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 down to Governor's Bay and then you from, finish. From Dyerside? Yeah. Oh. And then you run over another hill so you get to the bottom and you've got to go up. So that's lap one and then you've got lap six, which, uh, no, lap seven, which is straight downhill, which is, and in that one you have no variation. So it's basically downhill for 10K? From the top of the hilltop down, it's not 10k, it's like probably 6, 7, 8k. It can't like be fun. That. can't be fun. Who picks it? Um, I, I, I don't know. Just, you just draw the shortest straw. But I'll put my hand up. Oh, you're going to put, you put your I'll hand up for the downhill? I'm doing lap, I'm happy to do lap one. Wow. So I, I reckon next time I see you, you won't have any legs. Mm, quite possible. It's madness. Is it's it really? All, it's all, I mean, you've got to be trained for for downhill running, but I'm expecting to be pretty. Are you you're soon. leaning. Are you good at leaning in and getting your feet under your hips? You can't, yeah, yeah, I am, but. For that you long, pay, you pay a high price for doing that. Yeah, <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. But it was off. It was starting to get off on a bit of a segue there, but um, not a segue. But anyway, I was looking at Can't my by- <laughs> byline. It's, it's what is the time? <laughs> it's four twenty. I've got to be on my bike in ten minutes, and we started at one yeah, one fifteen. Um, what I love about Athlinks is you keep all your results in one place. And now that I'm getting back into a couple of races that I've done before, one of them is a, a 10K sort of point-to-point race, you can start to compare apples with apples. You don't have to go back to all these different flipping websites. And so normally I'd have to go to the Athletics Cannery website, find the event, go on there, find my age group, find my result, blah, blah, blah. Do that with all these different events. Athlinks basically got them all in one place. Um, you can group it by category or by year. And so I can basically pull up all my 10K races um, and just compare them all in one place. So I love it. So make sure that you do just keep a record of all your races on Athlinks. If you haven't done it yet, it doesn't take too long to go in there and just compile them all. And uh, you'll be happy as Larry when you're an old, retired, up-washed athlete just like me. Exactly. Mm. You're not that old yet. Not quite. 36? 36. Good. Okay, uh, Coach's Corner. Oh, we're calling it John's History Lesson. That's right. So that's interesting here, John, because... Now we're going into 1989 through to 1995 on the guys. Why haven't you got on the girls? I have. Where's 95 on the girls? Open your eyes. That's it. (laughs) Seriously? 94. Where's 95? Seriously, we've got got a a moron on our hands. (laughs) (laughs) Where? Is Paul and Yubi Fraser a guy? No, but Is Aaron Baker? Yeah, and there's Mark Allen up there. Yeah, but you got no 95 with Mark Allen, no, no 94 with Paula. There was no 1995 <laughs> women's race. Didn't happen. <laughs> so who's the idiot? They, they disqualified every woman in the race. <laughs> oh, that was a controversy. Actually, no, they didn't. 
Yes, one uh, one error. Pity the fool. <laughs> show three hundred and twenty nine. I've made one error in three hundred and twenty nine shows, <laughs> and you pull me up on it. <laughs> you tried to make me look like an idiot. <laughs> Mark Allen. Jeez, he just dominated, didn't he? He did. So, so from eighty nine through to ninety five, he only lost the race. Well, he didn't even did he not compete in ninety four? He didn't. And when we interviewed him on the show for uh, Legends, he was having a bit of. He, he, that was a year I think he was doing a bit of running. I can't actually remember if I asked him that question or not. I had it on my list of questions. But ninety four, he didn't race anyway. He didn't DNF or whatever. He just didn't race. Yeah, I think he was just having time off the sport, wasn't he? Mm. And then because he did that marathon, and everyone always thought, oh, he, he couldn't crack, and he was just saying, I was tired. Mm. And then, uh, which is interesting, mm. came back 95, ended up winning it. But what's really interesting is it really shows how great it was, wasn't it? Like but earlier on in a couple of shows ago, I was talking about, you know, was 89 his fastest, but he actually went faster. He did an 807 in 93. He did an 809.08, which was faster than uh, 89 in 92. Um yeah, pretty phenomenal, really, isn't it? It is. So these, this is starting coming to the era when I sort of did start to follow follow the sport a bit, or, or have seen footage of it. We all know about '89 and how he um, the the Iron War. 1990, Mark Allen first, Scott Tinley second, Pauli Kuru um, first time on the podium there, and third in 8:39. And he would have to go down. You know, I would probably put him as the uh, most unluckiest. No, we, you know, we, we talked a couple of shows ago about Cam Brown being in the top ten, ranked in the top ten. Pauli Kuru, you know, he's had a couple of thirds here and a, and a second. He won Ironman Australia like five times back to back. I think he's the guy who did the sprint off the New Zealand, wasn't yep, he? Yeah, yeah, with King Glar. So he would have to go down as one of the, whether you say unlucky, but nearly has been um, guys in terms of winning Kona. So 19, 1990, it was Alan Tinley and Pauli Kuru. 91. So it was a pretty slow day, 1990, wasn't it? Like mm-hmm. if you compare it to the year before, Mark Allen went 20 minutes faster, mm-hmm. um, and then the year after 10, and then the year after another 20. So slow day must have been a pretty tough day. 91, it was Mark Allen. Greg Welch got up to second place in 8.24, and Jeff Devlin, who was a duathlete um, and a pretty terrible swimmer, but he, he rode and ran his way through to third place in 8.24. Was he ever in it, or was he just always catching? Uh, Can you not remember? Can't, can't remember on that one. 1992, Mark Allen um, from Christian Bustos, the great Chilean athlete. Um, he went 809 that year in Pauli Why was he great? He was a great runner, and, and I think in that race, we certainly had a few head-to-head races with Mark Allen. He was a really good runner, quite short, quite stocky, and whether it was that year or another year, but they, they really went head-to-head on the run for quite some time. So whilst he lost by seven minutes, he sort of really went out there and fought for it and, and tried to take it to him. Uh, 1993, um, Pauli Kuru finished second. First time we saw a German on the podium there with Wolfgang Dietrich in uh, 8.20, and Mark Allen took it out again in 8.07. And Pauli Kuru was a, was a Finnish dude, and he was very much, he was Mr. Polar, he was Mr. Heart Rate Monitor. Oh, really? And uh, he would be running along and be constantly checking his heart rate. Who? Who is this? Pauli Kuru. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And... So he was really training to the heart rate. Yeah, and he often got a bit of grief about it because uh, people would say, just go on your instincts and whatever, but he really stuck to his heart rate and he just pulled out some classic Finnish quotes because he was just so straight up and down and oh, really? didn't really smile too much, um, but he pulled out some great, great quotes. He was a good guy. And he used to live, train in Christchurch as well. He spent the, used to spend oh, the summers uh, basically living on the same hill as me uh, down on Muxbury Road. Was it awesome for you? You never saw him. You'd, just, you'd see him heading out on his bike in the morning and you'd be going home from whatever you're doing at the end of the day and you see a biking home. <laughs> oh, really? But did you did you know the significance of it? No, not really. Uh, I just knew there was some, just... some funny European guys swimming in the pool. Because I remember when Melina used to live in Littleton, and this was years ago when I was like a teenager, 
And someone said to me, Scott Molina and Ewan Baker live up there. I was like, oh, yeah. And yeah. I kind of didn't really know what it meant. Yeah. But, yeah. 1994 was a very significant year because it was the first non-American to win Ironman. And Greg Welsh took it out in 8.20 and had a good old battle with Dave Scott, who was making his big comeback at the Now, was it a battle or, or Welch pretty much won it? When, Welchie, on the, when, it was, when they were on the run, he was just hovering in front of him Dave Scott was just hovering behind so what happened um, and this is off memory is Dave Scott had either had a terrible swim or a terrible bike but he was he, he, you know, he had a terrible swim and he clawed his way back and he wasn't too far behind um, Welchie and he was just sat there and sat there and maybe he was a minute or two behind but it wasn't significant and, uh, and it took a long time before he, he cracked slightly and Greg Welch sort of pulled away to, to win by four minutes, but pretty close racing. And now, at this stage, Dave Scott was about 42, wasn't he? 42, yeah. Wow. It was insane. It is insane, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because that's the time that could win Kona today still on, on some mm-hmm. days, eh? Yeah. And Jeff Devlin, the duathlete again, came through with a third place. 95, Mark Allen came back, and he had to come back. Um, he was he was uh, he was down down on the canvas. He had about a thirteen or fifteen minute deficit to Thomas Hellrigel coming off, and Thomas Hellrigel was not a slouch for a runner. He runs okay, and he came back and he took him by two minutes, uh, caught him late in the run, and great to see Thomas Hellrigel held on to second and Rainer Muller. Um, Horner was in third place, but uh, certainly broke a few German hearts that day. It's interesting, you know. You look at you look at the greats of, of any sport. I, I saw a um, a really good piece around basketball, and you know nowadays the debate is, you know, is anyone as good as Jordan? And you, and they, 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 someone wrote up this really well thought out piece around Michael Jordan, and they talked about um, Kobe Bryant, and uh, who's won quite a few championships now. They talked about LeBron James, who hasn't really won anything. Or he won last year, but hasn't really, you know, had that career yet. But they showed the statistics under Jordan in the big games, mm. and he's like ten times better than anyone else. Like you might say, Kobe's won a lot of championships, but if you look at, they they went really to detail with the stats, and under pressure moments, Jordan is just like a country mile ahead of anybody who ever played the game. And you kind of look at Allen, you know, you look at you know, you look at you know, Iron War, mm. amazing. You look at you know the Lessing and and Nice. You look at you know Tom's Hellregal. You know, you the one thing he did. Is he definitely delivered? Once he once he won the Iron War, he cracked it. He really yeah. under pressure, just come through in some of the toughest moments known in our sport. Really, yeah. He he really was an amazing athlete, wasn't he? Very very impressive. On the girls' side of things, we had equally yeah. amazing. Yeah, this period really was dominated by two people, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. So Paula Newey Fraser really just crushed it. She basically from nine, eight, 1989 to nineteen ninety four. She uh, not nineteen ninety five. I don't know what happened in nineteen ninety five. She won every that. single time except for nineteen ninety when Erin Baker took her down. So ninety eight, ninety um, no, no, eighty nine, ninety one, ninety two, ninety three, ninety four. She won all of her times were fast. In nineteen eighty nine, she went nine hours and fifty six. 92, she went 8.55.28, and I'm pretty sure that record stood until Chrissy broke it a couple of years ago. She went sub-9 again in 93, um, so really just crushed it. 95, Karen Smyers. Ah, and that was the year when Paul Newby Fraser fell over, and uh, Karen Smyers ran past her. minutes from the about... Well, 15 minutes. minutes, yeah, like that was on a lead drive. No, but she was 50, she sat down 15 minutes. Yeah, and still she still finished quite highly. She still finished like, I don't know. In the top ten, anyway, like fifth or sixth or something like that. So, Do you know what's really interesting, and, and John, I know I'm kind of going a little bit ahead of my time. I'm probably doing next week's work. And the girls' side, there's pretty much always been one girl for each generation. Like here, you look, we got early on, it's a bit of a mixed match, but just because. Then you got Paula, then you got Tasha, then you have Chrissy, and it's really been the sport. 
And smatterings other than there, you know. Yeah, one or two here or there. But Aaron Baker was smattered in there. You had uh, Laurie Bowden; she won a couple of times as well. Um, but in the guys, mm. if you look at if you look at the guys' side, sure, Mark and Dave early on. Yep, but since then, you know, like it's been a bit of a mismatch. You had a couple of guys win it twice, Crowy mm. three times. But yeah, it's 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 interesting, isn't it? It is. Uh, so Paul Newby Fraser was crushing. Erin um, Baker won in 1990. She finished second in 91 and 93. Um, the other common names we see in there, are, um, we see that in the next one as uh, Fernanda Keller becomes uh, a real dominant force next week. Um, Puntos Girls is still there in 1989, then they disappear. And also we see Sarah Cope from Great Britain finish third in 1991. So it really was. It was the the Mark and Paula show. I wonder how exciting Iron Man was each year. Then was it? Was it? Yeah, I wonder if it was. You know, it's kind mm. of when remember when Schumacher was winning all the mm. F one, and it just got boring. Yeah. Like I wonder if the sport was a little bit boring at that time. Let us know, guys. If you if you listen to um, the show now and you're around at that time, was it boring or was it quite exciting having these guys coming along? Mm. So there you go. We're up to 1995. If Crowy wins this year. Mm-hmm. Do you argue that Crowey is maybe a bit better than the, the, the... It's more significant now than maybe Dave Scott Mackle? No. It's, on, it's getting on par, but... But, but you've got to argue he's got more competition yeah. of a higher level. He's like, not, if you look at the winning really times... He's not going any faster, other than this well, year. Well, he is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this year. But other than that, he's not. But if you look at it, you go, he won it last year, eight-minute difference. The year before he won it, he won by two minutes. The year before that, three minutes. The year before that... Four minutes. Okay, you go down to their time. You go down to Dave Scott, Mark Allen. Wins by 20 minutes. Wins by 30 minutes. Wins by... So are you saying that he's better than those guys? Well, I'm saying that and more competitive, he's winning. Yeah. And if they had the level of competition, would they be so successful? I don't know. It's just, I I'm just putting it out there, John. You're just putting it out there. I'm, I'm not saying anything. I'm just... Oh, you know, sit on the fence. Sit on the fence. You know, like... Like even... Yeah, Mark, Dave Scott would win by 40 minutes. Yeah, but he didn't have anybody. He could have won by 50, 60 minutes if he'd actually had somebody pushing him there, you know, a bit more motivation to keep well, the finish line quicker. Have, if they were 50 minutes behind. Well, <laughs> he would have might have maybe gone faster. So, yeah. Ken Brown. There you go. 2005. Come on, Ken. One more chance. <laughs> he was only four minutes behind. Righty ho. So tra- uh, it's brought to you by Training Picks. We can you we've been tracking all the world champs results here from Kona. You can track your own training and become your, oh, the world champ- your work. the world champion in your flipping your domain. Um, one thing I do a lot with with athletes and uh, can be really valuable with Training Picks is to set your zones up. So if you go into your account settings, you can basically go in there and you can set up your custom zones for whatever terminology you use whether you use I use the Hellman sort of terminology other people use the Freel terminology but you can basically go in there and set them up and uh, and then you can have them populate your favourite workouts so if your zones change over time for example say you set up in your library a run one of your favourite one run workouts so it's 6 by one k and you want to do them at the top of your hard zone or whatever terminology you use if that hard zone changes by 5 to 10 seconds um, from time to time you can go into your zones you still keep your library workout the same but if you change your zones when you drag that workout into your into your calendar your zones will automatically sort of adjust for that so in March you know you might be running them at uh, 3 minute 55 to to 4 minute K pace um, later on this year when you're in much better shape you might be running them 5 minute 5 seconds quicker so you can just change it in your zones but if you set up your library of favourite workouts 
you just need to change it in one place and it'll automatically get all sorted. So hopefully that made sense because I use it a lot with, with the athletes. And from a coaching perspective as well, if you're a coach out there, then you can set up your workouts and your athletes can all have their zones and you can use your library much more effectively. So it's a better use of your time. You make sure your, your athletes are doing the workouts at the appropriate intensity and you can just adjust it in one place. Um, whereas if you're doing it on a spreadsheet, you know, you, again, you might be in March and you've got to think where exactly should they be versus in November and you've got to change things totally but here you just need to change it in one place so check it out on trainingpeaks.com for coaches check it out if you're an athlete and you want to go for the premium version just use the code IAMTALK you get a 15% discount if you want to try it out for free just go into IAMTALK.me and click on the Training Peaks logo so they know that you came from us John yes trainingpeaks.com um, if you were to race if you were to want to race any athlete in their prime you could, you could, we could, I could set this up mm. for you, yeah, with a time machine, yeah. Knowing that they're still going to beat you, but just kind of, who would you choose? Well, I've raced against Crow, so I don't race against him. Um, of all time, Ah, uh, on their day, probably Dave Scott. Oh, really? Mm. Why? I don't know, because he was just a hard ass. You like that? Mm. Yeah. You wouldn't get in there. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be mincing around having a chin wag. Just be going for it. I'd probably do his head in, but because I just talked to him the whole time. Mm. I don't think he'd make it to the end. He'd just punch you. <laughs> I really think he would. I don't say that as a joke. I really think he would. <laughs> he almost punched you and you're only talking to him. <laughs> oh, David and I, we're tight. He loves me. Seriously, there's only reason he goes to Kona. Okay, um, what else, John? What you got? It's okay, so we've got two more weeks till I'm back? Yep. No, one more week. Next week's show, we're recording next week. Yep. How's, how's you, how you, how you been? You been missing oh, me? Oh, yeah, no, I'm going, going awesome. You're you missing me. You're yeah. missing me. Missing you yeah, big time. September the 18th today. It'd be crazy, mate. We'll do a month without doing shows. Mm. It'd be kind of bizarre, wouldn't it? You'll be having, you'll have to update them all over there, make sure everything's sorted. Yeah, it'll take two minutes. I'm trying to get it all done before I go. So, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, John, what's the date on this show? September 18th. the 18th. John, Kona Picks. Kona Picks. Um, who do you think? I think it's very interesting this year. 36. I'm cutting into my bike time, baby. Okay, I know, John, but I just just, I just I think it's very interesting that you... Do you know why? Why? Well, you've got a few things happening. Mm-hmm. It's such a good field this year. Mm-hmm. It's such a good field. you got Crowey. It's the same field every year. No. Who do, who do you add to the mix this year that wasn't there last year? Macca. Outside of Macca, who do you add to the mix? Trenzo. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you think Trenzo's going to win it? I think it's his... Yeah, so you don't. So you don't think Mac is. You think you don't think Mac or Crow are going to win it. You think Trenzo is going to take it. No, but I think that yeah, it's a straight answer, Bevan. <laughs> straight up answer. No, Trenzo won't win it. But, <laughs> but do you think it's a Mac or Crow race? Uh, yep, yeah, I, I actually. I, if again, I often do this. If I was to go to the TAB, and I don't actually would care what the odds were, if you gave me a hundred bucks and I could only put it You'd on one it. person. I'd put it in my pocket and I'd run. I'd get on my Avanti Chrono and I'd crank you. Uh, I would probably put it on Crowey. Oh, you've got to put it on Crowey, don't you? Mm. But then again, the only person who's cracked Crowey mm-hmm. is Mecca. Mm-hmm. You know, like Mecca won it in 07. How Crowey. did he crack him on the bike? Do you think he would have cracked him on the bike last year? Well, no. Mm. But Mecca's a faster runner this year. Okay, so who are you putting money on? Oh, John, it's so hard. What about Ray Lute? What about Ray Lute? Are you going to put your money on him? I watched the, the Mecca Raylute finish every week. Mm-hmm. Raylute, has Raylute got that nice guy problem? 
You know, the he's brownie got, problem. You he, know what I mean? Like, the, everyone always said brownie didn't have the, the hunger, you he know? He's very nice, even when he wins. And when he loses, yeah, he's he so, lost he's, somewhere. He's just like the nicest character in the world, isn't he? He lost somewhere this year and a, and a half. I mean, he goes, oh, yeah, he had a great race. He did really well. Yeah. So there's a beautiful moment in that Mecca. Let's just get your pick. Let's get your pick so I can go for my bike ride. No, I need to see the whole list. Oh, I can't, I can't, make, that. I can't make that decision. <laughs> <laughs> How many weeks is Dakota? On who's, the show? who's your girl pick? Who's your female pick? Oh, I think I have to go, Stephen. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if um, Joycey. Oh, you're such a graceful. <laughs> and and Mary, Mary Beth and, and Rennie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it's easy. I don't want to pick on girls. Yeah, Julie Dibbins. She could be pretty She's good. She's not racing, you monkey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she probably won't win. <laughs> Verissa Barilla Tully. What is it? What's her name? Virginia Barissa Tully. I don't yeah. think she's racing either. What about Leanna Cave? Actually, she could be potentially this year. Potentially, yeah. She was, what, third last year, I think? Yeah, she was in a time of a 903. Mm-hmm. It's pretty solid on that course. She's only, she was only six minutes off, Rennie. The question is, John. Mm. You've got to think. Rennie is not having anywhere near as good a season as she did last year. So on paper, you've got to go Leanne Cave. So that's your pick? No, it's not. <laughs> I've given my guy's pick. You've got to give the girl's pick. Uh-huh. I'm going, it's going to be a tie between. <laughs> I'm just going to start doing some emails while you piss fire. Look at this, too. Yeah. Are you checking out Hazel Adams? Is he emailing yeah. who? Oh, yeah. Have you got from your iPhone? She's from her iPhone. Yeah. Do you hate how it says from my iPad? Does it say I haven't sent an email from That's here? That's what Apple do. It's a bit sneaky. It's just put it in there. Delete that. Anyway, you know, I think listeners want to kind of move on, John. What are you up to this week? I am um, back from Queenstown and I'm getting ready for Kona Camp. I'm doing all my organisation. Kona Camp? Kona, Kona, um, Kona, Kona. Because I've got to get all the interviews sorted. So I have to say, John does pretty good work on this, so good work. I'll be still in Europe, mm-hmm. and um, I'll probably be in Rome now. Have mm-hmm. you been to Rome? No. Haven't you? No. Really? Been to Italy, bypassed Rome. Why did you bypass Rome? Had other things to do. The Cinque Terre, Siena, Vienna, Tower of Pisa. Rome. Didn't make the hit list. Far out. <laughs> that blows your mind, Jesus. Fine, <laughs> Russ. We're so tired. We've been podcasting for five hours nonstop. So, sorry, but thank you. Fine, Russ. I'm in night. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.